Our scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Kings chapter 3, and I'll be reading verses 5 through 15. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I should give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you kept him for this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Although I am a little child, I do not know how to go out or to come in. And your servant is in the midst of the people who you have chosen, a great people so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. For who can govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this, and have not asked yourself for long life or riches or for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, I now do according to your word. Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you has been before you, and no one like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor all your life. No other king shall compare with you. If you will walk in my ways, keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your life. Then Solomon awoke. It had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem where he stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. He offered up burnt offerings and offerings of well-being and provided a feast for all his servants. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I, uh, I have the honor of introducing uh, Pastor Jeff Fortenberry from Real Life Ministries. He's going to be coming and sharing our word and our scripture. And I've invited him to come and, and to share as he feels led. Uh, but we are honored to have you and excited to, uh, to hear from you this morning. So thank you, Jeff. Arthur's just a little bit taller than I am, so make, let me make an adjustment. Thank you, Arthur. It's a pleasure to have met him and gotten to talk to him a little bit this morning. And it's always good to be with the church. Not at church, but with the church. You understand my meaning? And we're all brothers and sisters here, and it's good to be able to share with you guys today what God has to say to us, and that's hopefully what we'll, we'll do. But as far as wisdom is concerned, what, what hit me when I just heard that passage about Solomon is, don't be hearers, or hearers of the word only, but doers also. And we're going to talk more about that. So if you have your Bible with you, turn to Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to read a little passage from Matthew chapter 9 about Jesus and what happened when he engaged. You know, we in the gospel message that we read, most of what we read about Jesus takes place where? On, on the Sabbath at church or when just during the week? when he was out and about amongst the people. Most of it is about him engaging during the week outside of the Sabbath day. Now, we do read about some encounters he had on the Sabbath day, but that tells me about Jesus' mission. It wasn't about building a building or a church. It was about reaching the people and ultimately sacrificing everything for the people. But before I read the passage, I want to ask this. Has anybody ever had a puppy, brand-new puppy at your house? Raise your hand. Now, has any of y'all's puppies, when you, when you got them, just got something in the house that became their toy, something that they got attached to? And they would attack that thing. 
I mean, they would just grab it in their mouth and, and then throw it down like they were killing it. And then they, well, just in case y'all missed that, they would pick it up, do like this, and throw it down. That's what we call thrashing. And our puppy got, he does that still. And you know, the Bible describes us in this passage I'm about to read as those who are being treated that way by the enemy, being slung down, being cast down. And Jesus' response to that is something I think we really need to take a look at today. So in Matthew chapter 9, I'm going to begin reading in 35. I'm going to really focus in on uh, 36 and 37. It says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. There's a word in there that I really want to zone in on, and that is the word helpless. Your translation may say scattered, cast down. Uh, that word ripto in the Greek is exactly what I was talking about, to be thrashed, to be slung, a violent action. And what that depicts, and it's used elsewhere in Greek literature as somebody slinging down, is trying to hurt. That is our enemy, Satan. That is his goal, to cast every single one of us down. And he has been successful in doing that, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we all fall in that category. But what Jesus' response is, is what I really want to focus in on. If we read this, you see that he could say, well, they deserve all this because they turned from me. They deserved all this because they basically sinned against my Father. And so I'm going to take a different approach. I'm going to give them what they deserve. That's not what he did. So I want to point out three things very quickly that he did that we need to do, not only in dealing with those that we consider to be, maybe we call them victims, okay, of the fallen world, like, like children. We, we talked a lot today about foster care. But I want to talk about how we approach those that we think are the perpetrators that cause these victims to be in the world. Before we start casting stones ourselves at these people, maybe we need to have compassion on them. So the first thing I want you to see from this passage is that he saw the crowds. And you say, okay, big deal. I see you today. I see you, Jeff. What's the big deal about seeing? Well, in order to be able to see somebody and see the condition that they're in, you actually got to get out there and engage. And unfortunately, I've been a part of and have been the one that has said, I'm just going to disengage. I'm just going to pull away and go hide in my little corner and I'm just going to act like this problem doesn't exist. And if I don't see it, then I don't have to deal with it. And as Joanna said earlier, with wisdom and with knowledge comes what? Responsibility. He said Jesus went through all the towns. He went and he wanted to engage the people he came to die to save. And so you've got to engage. You've got to see the people. And what I, what I unfortunately observe in a lot of the church today is a disengagement of the church. We hang out with those just like us. We hang out with those who act like us, that conform to our set of morality, you know, set of morals and our morality, and 
and we try to not get ourselves involved in any situation that's uncomfortable whatsoever. You can't hide from what's happening in the fallen world. We've got to see it. And we've got to see what causes it. As if you keep reading, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Why? Because he saw that they were harassed, confused, deceived, and scattered or cast down. He, he knew the reason why. The reason why is because we have an enemy. His name's Satan. His job is to seek, to kill and destroy. To steal, kill, and destroy. That's his job. That's what he does. He's good at it too. All right, let's give credit where credit's due. He's very good at that. And so what, what Jesus is saying is, I'm not seeing a physical condition that needs healing in this particular case. I see a spiritual condition that needs to be addressed. So he engaged, and then he saw the people. He saw the real problem. You know, when we talk to people, a lot of times we're too busy to get to the root problem. Let me give you an example. We've got some issues going on in our country today where everybody wants a quick fix. You know, let's, let's change some laws. Let's do this. Let's do this. Instead of doing a comprehensive look at what the real problem is and getting to the root of the problem, we, we just want a quick fix, right? So we can say that we did something for that cause or help. That's, that's not wise. Jesus knows the heart. And Jesus got to the heart of the matter and understood what the real issue was. And that's what drew him to a place of compassion. Now, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Uh, my daughter has gotten involved in foster care. And when you look at the reason why a lot of these kids are where they are, they're there because of something that their parents did or didn't do. And if me personally, I got a little irritated and got very judgmental as to the reason why that child was where that child was to begin with. And I really did not have good feelings in my heart towards the parents of this particular child. My heart wasn't right. That's what I'm talking about. So we're just not talking about foster care today and taking care of, of the kids themselves. I would urge all of us, including myself, to change our heart and to engage the real problem that has us where we are today in this world. And that means engaging those that we look as, as the perpetrators of the problem. That's tough. That means bringing truth to them and speaking the truth to them in love. That means engaging them. Yes, not hiding from them, but engaging them. And that's very, very difficult to do. Because if you're like me, some of the things that you see in this world anger you. They upset you to the point where you forget why you are where you are. It's because you have a shepherd now. Do you understand these people don't have a shepherd? We now, through Jesus, in Jesus, have a good shepherd that leads us if we'll let him. The people that are being harassed and cast down don't have that shepherd yet. They haven't come to know the good shepherd. And we once were there where they were. We might have done some of the same deeds that they did but we were where they were. And so when you see the people like Jesus did and you see the root of the problem, it should lead to a change of heart. When he saw the crowds, he had what? Compassion. Not anger. Not hatred. Not vengeance. 
compassion. You know, compassion should lead to something that you become passionate about. As Joanna said, it's become a passion for her. And when you're passionate about something, you can't, nobody can stop you from being involved in pursuing that passion. I think the problem with the church today is that we're not seeing the real problem. Therefore, our hearts are not changing and becoming compassionate towards people. I didn't say we condone what they do. I'm not saying that we go to them and say that everything's okay because it's not. But we need to get the gospel to them. We need to introduce them to the Good Shepherd. We need to speak the truth to them in love, not in judgment. And I'm struggling with this right now as I talk to you. Ask my wife how much I'm struggling right now with some of the things that we're going through. And instead of seeing the root problem, I'm looking at people to blame, just like everybody else is. That gets us nowhere. I'm praying for myself today that God will give me a change of heart and give me some compassion. You know, I looked that word up, and that particular Greek word that is translated compassion right there is used about five other times, I think five or six other times, but it's only used in the context where Jesus is involved. And I got a little disheartened when I saw that because compassion is in the, in the Bible and other places, but it's a different Greek word. And I started thinking, we're all shooting for something that we may not ever be able to obtain, and that is the, kind, the level of love, the agape love, the unconditional love, the compassion that Jesus had, which is, and it may be unattainable this side of heaven. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Because until we see the real problem, and see who the real perpetrator is and Satan himself, we're never going to change our heart. And if we never change our heart, we're never going to do anything about it. Because when you have a heart change, with knowledge comes responsibility, it leads to action. So the third thing that we really need to do is what Jesus said we should do, is pray that other believers will have the right heart for people as well. To go out in the harvest field ourselves, but to take somebody with us. And to continue to pray that other people's heart will be changed towards this world so that they'll go with us. Listen, the great thing I love about our church and the way we do things, not that we're, we're we got a long way to go, but we have been privileged to do a lot of mission work. And you probably never heard of us until today, and that's, that's okay. We have a great time in worship. We get together and encourage each other as believers. But the goal is to really... And I hate to use this terminology, but maybe you'll understand it. Is Sunday is a time of really giving God thanks for allowing us to be in the game. We get together and we thank Him and we praise Him for allowing us to be a part of something eternal. We encourage each other and then when we leave, we take off and we're just like Jesus going through all the towns and the villages and the synagogues. At least that's what we have done and hope that we'll continue to do. But we, He wants us to take people with us. We need to pray because we don't have enough workers to reach everybody. The road that leads to destruction is what? Broad. The road that leads to salvation is narrow. And few find it. And that's the other point I want to make is we can become cynical in these times. We can come and hide out at the church building or hide out at the houses and homes of our church friends and not engage. And we can become very cynical. You want to know why? Because I have become very cynical towards certain groups of people. 
And I've allowed Satan to thrash me and sling me to the ground and give me thoughts in my heart that I don't need to have. And today I'm praying that God right now as I speak is changing my heart to bring me to a place of compassion so that I will go back out into the mission field and even reach the ones that I think may be unreachable. So my question is, has God changed your heart? Do you look at people? Do you look at the world and the condition that people are in? Do you look at some of these people that have cast down these children? Do you look at others that you say, they're making bad decisions that are hurting everybody? Can you look at those people like Jesus did and instead of bringing judgment on them, can you say, God changed my heart. I need to have compassion on them because I know the root problem is not them. The root problem is the enemy. Let me read you a couple of passages that goes along with this. Y'all know the story of the Many of you will know the story of the prodigal son, right? In Luke chapter 15, verse 20, it says this, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. See, his father, when his son left, did not become... He did not totally disengage. He let him go because he knew that's what had to happen. But he was waiting for him every day. He saw him a long way off. And instead of saying, this is the son that said I was as good as dead when he wanted my inher his inheritance before I was even dead, before casting judgment, when he saw him, he was filled with what? Compassion. And he ran to him. Ran. We also see in Luke chapter 10... Verse 33, story of the Good Samaritan. Many people had already passed this beaten man on the side of the road, but a Samaritan, the least likely candidate. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took compassion on him. But compassion doesn't end with just saying, oh, I'm, I'm sad that happened, let me pray for you. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. In closing, let me just say this. Compassion leads to action. There's, there's no other way. Joanna said it earlier, you know, the religion that God desires, the thing that He really wants to see, is us being the hands and feet of Jesus, taking care of the widows and the orphans. That is true religion, not just doing religious activities and showing up and hearing messages once a week. It is getting involved to engage. And so I pray with you today that you'll pray for me, I'm going to pray for you, that we will see the people around us, see the root problem that is causing them to be thrashed down, that's causing them to be harassed. They don't have a shepherd. The enemy's in charge right now. And once we see the real problem, we need to pray that God will change our hearts. Not have hearts of judgment. Not have hearts of saying, hey, this is the problem. This is why we are where we are in our country today. I have caught myself saying that so many times, and I'm tired of saying it. It may be true, but it's not really them. It's the enemy behind all of this. The enemy has always been about destroying families, countries, anything that would shine the light for Jesus. He's always been about that. So it's time for me to see what the real issue is. Have a heart of compassion and then pray. Pray for our believers, you and me, to engage. To engage.
We can sit back and act like nothing's going wrong and it'll just get worse. Or we can engage and try to make it better. Why else are we here? Otherwise, Jesus just needs to take us home. Why else are we here? So I pray that you'll engage with me today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your example, Jesus. Thank you that your compassion took you all the way to the cross for the likes of somebody like me. Your compassion did not turn into judgment when I continued to fail time and time again, but you continued to pursue me. You continued to go after me because you knew what the root problem was. You knew I needed a shepherd. Just like everybody here needed a good shepherd. Because sheep will just continue to hurt themselves unless they're guided in the right path. Jesus, thank you today that I can say, like David did, that I I want for nothing. I thank you today that I can say that I have a shepherd that looks out for me. And so I can walk through the valley of death and I can fear no evil because my shepherd's with me. So Jesus, help us today to engage a lost world with a heart of compassion so that we can introduce them, not to a church, not to a religion, not to a ministry, not to anything, but we can introduce them to you, Jesus, the good shepherd, so they no longer have to be harassed and cast down and scattered. And may you replace a heart of judgment about why people are where they are with a heart of compassion so that we can be the hands and feet you need us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.